Amen. Well, good morning again, and as always, welcome to Liberty Church, and we are honored and excited that you're here today. This morning, uh, we're going to wrap up our series that we've been in uh, over the last couple weeks entitled Signs, Wonders, and Miracles, and our foundational scripture we found in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Let's just look at it together. The Bible says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. God publicly endorsed Jesus by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. And we recognize that the foundation stone of our faith is the supernatural. We actually said you can't even call yourself a Christian unless you believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. Because our whole, the whole basis of our Christian faith is rooted and grounded in the fact that Jesus Christ died and three days later rose again. Amen? How many glad we serve a resurrected Savior this morning? Anybody? And so we are here today because we believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe the supernatural is not impossible. It's actually possible because we serve a supernatural God. And so we asked the question, we said, what are signs, wonders, and miracles? And I gave you a real simple definition. We said signs, wonders, and miracles are supernatural, which means they're not naturally possible. How many know when a dead man gets up, that's not natural? That's supernatural. Supernatural manifestations of the power of God that affirm and confirm the word of God. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and says, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. And we've talked about over the last few weeks how God watches over his word. How that signs, wonders, and miracles are the supernatural manifestations of the power of God that affirm and confirm his word. And so God is watching over his word to confirm it. God told Moses, what I said with my mouth, I'll perform with my hand. And the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie, that God cannot lie, and that God never lies because God is full of truth. Amen? How many of you know today you can trust God? And God's word is true, and we can stand on the word because God watches over his word to perform it. We said that the key to signs, wonders, and miracles is really faith-filled obedience. It's faith-filled obedience. Faith without works is dead, right? If what I believe doesn't affect how I behave, then I really don't believe it. The truest measurement of your belief system is your behavior, because what you believe truly believe in your heart affects how you behave in your life. So if you want to know what you really believe, look at your behavior because it is faith-filled obedience to the Word of God that really is the key that releases the supernatural power of God in our lives, right? We, we just broke it down like this. We said God says it, we obey it, and miracles happen. God says it, we obey it, and then miracles happen in our lives. And over the last three weeks, we have heard and seen some amazing testimonies. This morning, I talked with, uh, with Bob, who's in our eight o'clock service, who three weeks ago uh, came off oxygen after being touched and ministered and healed by the Lord. And he's three weeks later, he's still oxygen free. He's still excited. He's still fired up. He told me this morning, I, I just feel so good. He said, I'm just better than I've been. Miss Darlene, who got healed three weeks ago, just shouting and walking 10 miles now. Couldn't hardly get out of the house and walked 10 miles. Richard said, I can't even keep up with her anymore. <laughs> Why? Because when we, when we obey the word of God, right? God says it, we obey it, miracles happen. God says it, we obey it, and miracles happen. And faith is really the key that unlocks what God is doing in our lives. So look at first, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1. And we kind of looked at the scripture together last week. 
It says, and by his divine power, God has given us, what has he given us? Y'all say it with me, God has given us. So by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. And we said the word godly means literally be godlike. And let me just clarify again, you're not God, but you're supposed to be like him. You were created in the image and likeness of God. And so the Bible says by God's divine power, how many of you understand that his divine power is the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter one, verse eight says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And God has given us divine power. Anybody in here born again today? Any born again believers in the house this morning? Well, if you've been born again, you've received divine power. And through God's divine power, we have access to everything that we need to live a godly life, to be godlike, to walk like, talk like and do what Jesus did. And we just brought it down to this. We simply said this, if Jesus did it, we can what? That was weak. If Jesus did it, we can what? We can do it. Jesus said, the works that I did will you do and greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. If Jesus did it, we can do it. Y'all gotta help me this morning. If Jesus did it, we can There you go. Y'all sounding good. Amen. All right. So by his divine power, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself, speaking of Jesus by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. We said we don't follow signs and wonders. We follow Jesus. And because we follow Jesus, signs and wonders follow us. Amen. And then the Bible says, verse four, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. So God has given us these great and precious promises. We said that that when we believe in the promise, we share in the nature. We we recognized something last week. We said that that God is a spirit. If I'm going to share in God's divine nature, I'm going to have to walk in the spirit. The Bible actually commands us to walk in the spirit. It says if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do I walk in the spirit? Well, the way that we operate in the spirit is by faith. Faith gives you access to the spirit realm. Faith enables you to see what God sees, hear what God says, and do what Jesus does. Amen? Faith enables us to step into that realm of the spirit, and it moves us out of the carnal realm. So you have five senses, and if you live by your senses, you will die. To be carnally minded, the Bible says, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So God has given us his exceedingly great and precious promises that by these promises, by faith in what God says, we partake of God's nature. Why? Because when I believe the promise, I move out of the realm of flesh into the realm of spirit. And how many of you understand it's in that spirit realm that things happen? In John chapter 6, Jesus actually makes this statement. He says, it is the spirit that gives life, and then he says this, and the flesh profits nothing. That's a powerful statement. It's the spirit that gives life. So if I'm going to live the life that God wants me to live, I'm going to have to live in that realm of the spirit. How do I live in that spirit realm? It's not a mystical realm. That's not the spirit realm. It's a faith realm. 
When I'm operating in faith, I'm operating in the spirit realm, and I can see what God sees, I can hear what God says, and I can do what God would have me to do. Why? Because it's in that realm of faith that the power of God, the promise of God, the provision of God, and the blessing of God is made real in our lives. Through His power, we have access to everything that we need to live that godly life. So look at that next point. We said faith simply agrees with God. How do I know when I'm in faith? Because I agree with God. How do you know when you're in faith? It's really simple. That's an important question. How do I know if I'm in faith? I know I'm in faith when I agree with God. If I'm agreeing with what I see instead of what God says, I'm not in faith. If I'm agreeing with what I feel instead of agreeing with what God says, I'm not in faith. And the problem is, is that we have allowed the senses of our flesh, our carnal nature, to rule our spirit man and keep us in bondage instead of bringing us into liberty where we find freedom in Christ. As long as I live by what I see, what I taste, what I feel, nothing changes. Nothing changes. And I can prove it. How many of you have ever had a situation that needed to change and you did everything physically, mentally, financially possible to change it and yet nothing changed? You ever been there and done that? I can raise both my hands. <laughs> when Kelly was going through 10-year battle of severe depression, I did everything physically, mentally, emotionally, financially that I could do to change her and nothing changed. Nothing changed. Until we went from flesh to spirit. The moment we went from what we see to what God says, and we begin to declare and decree and establish and believe that what God says is true, she's healed, she's not sick, she's well, she's not broken, she is restored, she's not in bondage. All of a sudden we begin to believe the word of God over the feelings and symptoms of our flesh. Things begin to change. Faith agrees with God. Doubt robs us of the miraculous power of God. Why? Because it keeps us in the natural realm. And most Christians operate in a very carnal mentality. We only pray prayers that we can answer ourselves. If the prayers you're praying aren't impossible to you, then get up and do something and stop praying about it. Right? If the prayers you're praying aren't impossible to you, then get up and do something. Make it happen. And then pray about stuff that requires God to work. Because we're not carnal, we're not just carnal, we are called to be supernatural, spiritual beings who live in that realm of faith. Faith agrees with God. And so I've got to come to a place where I begin to believe what God says over what I see, what God says over what I feel, what God says over what is tangible and touchable in my life, right? We have what God says we have, we are who God says we are, and we can do what God says we can do. And the moment I begin to believe that, amazing things begin to happen, right? Faith conceives what we believe and then manifests it into our lives. It is at the point of faith that conception happens. And for all you ladies, I think I asked you last week, how many ladies have ever been pregnant? And all you men, don't raise your hands. Amen. <laughs> the moment you got pregnant, you were with child. You weren't with child when you held the baby. You weren't with child when you nursed the baby. 
You weren't with child when you changed the first diaper. You weren't with child when you calmed the first fear. You were with child when what was within you was conceived. The moment conception came, life came. That's how faith works. Now for a baby, it takes nine months for what is conceived to be manifested. Right? Because many ladies for the first month or two, maybe even three months, you're not even seeing or feeling anything. And you're wondering, am I really pregnant? I know the doctor says I'm pregnant. I know I feel a little different, but I'm not sure. It takes nine months for what has been conceived to be manifested. But if you'll wait in faith, it'll come to pass. Amen? But let me give you a simple thought. You will never manifest what's been conceived if you abort it. You'll never manifest what's been conceived if you abort. That's why the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think or believe that he'll receive anything from God. What happens when I come to a prayer line and say, I believe I'm healed, and then I walk out on Monday morning and I say, you know, I don't think that worked. All of a sudden, we're shifting. We're double-minded. So faith agrees with God. I've got to learn how to stay in a place of faith because faith agrees with God. Doubt robs me of the supernatural, miraculous power of God because faith conceives what I believe and then manifests it. It took 10 years before we saw the fullness of Kelly's healing and deliverance in her life. And the reality, it wasn't that it took 10 years for God to heal her and deliver her. She was already healed. It just took 10 years for us to get to the end of ourselves to finally realize we had to believe God. Well, Pastor Keith, isn't that kind of harsh? It's absolutely harsh. It's harsh and it's sad and it's tragic that it took us 10 years to believe that we could receive what Jesus had already purchased and paid for. But it took us 10 years to get to the point, and Kelly will tell you out of her own mouth, it took her 10 years to get to that point where she knew if God didn't do it, it would never happen. And when she got to that place of faith, guess what happened? Breakthrough came. Healing came. Deliverance came. Now, it was a 10-year journey for us, but it really wasn't a 10-year journey of faith. It was a 10-year journey of double-mindedness that brought us to a place of faith that ultimately manifested the promise of God. Well, Pastor Keith, that makes me sad. Well, I hope it makes you mad. I hope it makes you mad enough to decide you're going to do something about what God has done, right? That you're going to grab hold of what Jesus has purchased and paid for for us. Pastor Keith, does that mean you got it all together? Absolutely not. (laughs) How about we'll grow together? Is that all right with you? So look at this next point. I want you to see this. This is where we're going to go today. The thing that makes you natural is the thing that makes you supernatural. The thing that makes you natural is the thing that makes you supernatural. Your humanity gives you authority. His divinity, the Holy Spirit, gives you power. And your faith activates your authority and releases God's power. The thing that makes you natural is really the thing that makes you supernatural. Look at Psalms chapter 8. The Psalms have said this, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visited him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. That word angels, that's a poor translation. If you look at the word in Hebrew, the word is Elohim. It's the same word in Genesis chapter 1 where the Bible says, In the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And God made man a little lower than himself. 
Not lower than the angels. How many know the angels are below you? You're not below the angels. The angels are created beings. They are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation. That's me and you. They were created beings to serve God. You and I were made in the image and likeness of God. We are the sons and the daughters of God. So what is man that you're mindful of him? That you made him a little bit lower God than yourself. Again, you're not God, but you're supposed to be like him. You're supposed to represent him in the earth. And you have crowned him man, humanity with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion or authority over the works of your hands. And you have put all things under his feet. Your humanity gives you authority. The thing that makes you natural is the thing that makes you supernatural. The, the thing, let me just back up for a second. So it is your humanity. The fact that you're a human being and you have flesh, guess what? You have authority in the earth. Now I want to challenge you to think about something for a second. When you look at the story at the Bible, in the genesis of time, God created the heavens and the earth. From the moment that God created the heavens and the earth and gave Adam and Eve authority over the earth to subdue it and rule over it, from that moment on throughout the rest of your Bible, you know what you'll find? You'll find that the only time God does anything in the earth, God does it through people. Everything that God does on planet earth, God does through people. Why? Because God gave authority over the earth to people. Think about it. Moses, all the miracles. Just think of all the miracles throughout the Bible. All the signs, all the wonders, all the miracles. They were all done in response to somebody's faith, somebody's prayer, somebody's obedience, somebody's action. They were all done in response to somebody. Why? Because it is your humanity that gives you authority in the earth. When God gives you something, he doesn't take it back. When Adam and Eve sin, the word authority literally means this. It means that you have the right. You have the right to do something. You have the right to rule. You have the right to make decisions. You have the right to choose. How many of you understand in this room today, you have authority. You have the right to choose. You can bless or you can curse your family. Right? You can lie or you can tell the truth. You can help people or you can hurt people. You have authority. What happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned is not that they lost authority. They still have the authority to choose. They lost the power of God to choose rightly. And all of a sudden, we're going to see something in just a second. All of a sudden, another power entered in, and that is the power of sin and death. I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 7. I'm not sure that we have it on the screen. But if you have your Bible, this might be a good time to get it out. Romans chapter 7, verse 19 says this. The Apostle Paul, he says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one, who's the one doing it. It is sin living in me that does it. And I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love, God with, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still in me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
There's another power, the Apostle Paul said, at work within me, warring within me. And it's the power of sin and death. And think about this scripture. I want to do right, but I do wrong. And the truth is, we understand that, right? How many of y'all understand that dilemma? As a matter of fact, probably most of us this week did that exact thing. Right? It looks something like this. Let me just break it down really simple to us. I know I shouldn't eat that, but go ahead and give it to me. Right? I, I, I don't need that, but give me one more scoop. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? I want to do good, but the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, I end up doing. Why? Because there's another power called the power of sin and death. So I want you to see this. So man has authority. When Adam and Eve sinned, they submitted their authority under the power of sin and death. They didn't lose their authority. They just submitted their authority to the wrong power. And when you submit to sin and death, guess what happens? Out of sin and death through your authority is release, chaos, confusion, and destruction. But what would happen if I submit my authority, my right to choose, to the power of God? Then it would release the life of God. And it would release the blessing of God. And it would release the miracles of God. And it would release the favor of God. And it would release the anointing of God. Because you have authority. It's your humanity that gives you authority. That's why Jesus had become a man. Jesus did not come to earth as God. He came to earth as man who would later be filled with the Spirit of God. He was fully God and fully man. But Jesus did not operate as God. He operated as man. Why? Because if he would have operated as God, I couldn't do what he did because I'm not God. But if he operated as a man empowered by the Spirit of God, I can do that. And so can you. And that's what Jesus did. He had to come to earth as a man, because it is only through your humanity that you have authority in the earth. Isn't it interesting on, in, in uh, the Great Commission, Jesus did not say, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. No, he had all power. You know what he said? All authority in heaven and now on earth has been given unto me. How did he reclaim that authority? He became a man. And when he became a man, he now had all authority on earth, just like he had already had in heaven. But without flesh, there's no authority on earth. Now, so it's our humanity that gives us authority. We have the right to choose, right? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus told Peter, he said, Behold, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And you know what? We see that every single day. People are binding and loosing. They're releasing the blessing of God or the curse of sin over their families every single day. You are binding and loosing every day. Why? Because you have authority in the earth. You can make this world a better place or you can make this world a horrible place based on your authority as a human being on planet earth. The problem is not do you have authority. The problem is who are you going to submit your authority to? Everybody serves somebody. Romans chapter 6 says, if you yield yourself as a servant of sin, you become a slave of sin. If you yield yourself as a servant of God, you become a servant of righteousness. Why? Because you have authority. You have the right to choose. And now you've got to decide whose power am I going to operate under. So we have now, if you're here today, anybody born again in the house today? 
if you're here today and you're born again, then guess what? You have received power, right? Acts chapter 1, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So it is our humanity that gives us authority, but it is His divinity, the Holy Spirit, that gives us the power of God to do what Jesus did. And so my faith that I am who God says I am, I can do what God says I can do, my faith activates my authority and it releases God's power when I believe God. When I believe God, maybe you don't trip and fall over and if you do, you get up, amen? Let's talk about our power real quick. John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, but without me, you can do nothing. Adam and Eve didn't lose their authority. They lost their power because they were disconnected from the source of their power, which was their relationship with God. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit. Why? Because you have power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I want you to recognize something about the power that we have. Our power is inherent power. That's an interesting word because it means that the power is not from us, it's from God. And the best illustration we have of this in the natural realm is the president. So whether you love or don't love Donald Trump, let me just use him as an example because he's our president. The president has executive power. And because he has executive power, he can sign a legislation into law or he can veto a legislation so it doesn't become law. As the president of the United States, he has executive power to command our military forces. He also has executive power to adjourn or to, re- or to uh, release uh, the, the, the Congress. He also has power to grant uh, pardons to those who are on death row. He has the ability uh, as a president to approve or else reject an ambassador coming into the United States. He has executive power. But Donald Trump doesn't have that power. Donald Trump, the businessman, doesn't have executive power. Donald Trump, the president, has executive power. And the moment Donald Trump is not president, he loses his power. Because his power is not from him, it abides in the office. The moment, the moment you got born again, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead took up residence on the inside of you, you have power. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. Why? Because we have divine power that makes the impossible possible. It's not our power, it's his power. So we have authority. God gives us his power to be used for his glory. Amen? So, y'all look with me. Look at this next point. So your hands can heal. And your words release supernatural, release the supernatural power of God. 
God does the work, but he does it through you. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this. He said, God does nothing in the earth except in answer to prayer. What was he saying? He said, God only works through people. Why? Because it's people that have authority, but it's God's power that gives us the might to do what he's called us to do. And so your hands can heal and your words release supernatural power because God does the work but he does it through you. Look with me in Acts 2 again. I'm going to just reread the scripture. I want you to see something. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. God did powerful miracles and wonders and signs through Jesus. I want you to see something. Grab hold of something. Jesus didn't do miracles. God did miracles through Jesus. Jesus didn't heal the sick. God healed the sick through Jesus. Well, Pastor Keith, that kind of sounds like sacrilegious or something. Read the Bible. God did powerful miracles and wonders and signs through Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus was a man empowered by the Spirit so he could be the firstborn among many brethren. God does the work, but he does it through us. What God does in the earth, God does through people. Look at the next scripture, Acts 15. And then all the multitudes kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them. How many miracles and wonders God had worked through them. Who did the work? Who did the work? Who'd he do it? Through the disciples. Paul and Barnabas. He did it through the disciples. He did it through Jesus. Now look in Acts chapter 19. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Who did the work? God worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. So we have inherent power. What does that mean? It means that the power to heal, to deliver, to save is not from us, it's from God. So what that simply means is this. If God worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul, then God can work unusual miracles through your hands. See, we, we get disconnected from the miracle working power of God because we say, well, we can't do what Jesus did because he was Jesus. And we can't do what Paul did because he was Paul. But when we think of Paul, we think of Paul the apostle. When the people living around Paul thought about Paul, they thought about Saul the murderer. One day he was a murderer, one day he was a miracle worker. Why? Because it wasn't Paul. God worked unusual miracles. God worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. Through the hands of Paul. God will work unusual miracles through your hands. Here's the key, guys. God only can work in the earth through you. You are the vehicle and you are the vessel through which God works. Think about all the miracles. Think through the Bible. How many miracles did God perform without people? Once you step past creation, how many miracles did God perform without people? And here's what's awesome. 
God never asked people to do impossible things. God does impossible things. God asks people to step out in faith and trust him to do what only he can do. Y'all do something with me. I'm gonna let y'all help me. Everybody hold your arm right here. If you ain't got a right arm, use your left arm, okay. <laughs> then stick your arm out like this. How many know that was not impossible? But how many of you know that's exactly what Moses did when he stood at the Red Sea? Moses didn't do anything impossible. You can put your arms down. Y'all gonna get tired on me. Y'all listen. <laughs> Moses didn't do anything impossible. Moses did the possible. God did the impossible. Think about it. Moses, stretch out your rod. Ain't that what God said? Everybody in here can do that. He told the disciples, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Y'all do this to yourself right here. Bam, there you go. It's not impossible. Why? Because God does the work. God does the work. He has to do it through you, but God does the work. Faith activates our authority. When I believe God, I submit my authority to the power of God, and I do what God says to do, and then God does the work. If nothing happens, that's not on me, that's on God. Right? Because I'm telling you, I've laid hands on a lot of sick people and they all didn't get well. But I still believe God, I'm gonna keep laying hands on sick people. I've prayed over a bunch of dead people, not one of them got up, but I'm gonna raise the dead one day. I'm just gonna keep doing what God says to do. And as long as I feel the Holy Spirit quicken me to do it, I'm gonna do it. As long as it lines up with the word of God. See, the problem is, that we, we, we allow fear and intimidation to keep us in bondage. Well, what if it doesn't work? That's not up to you. God works the miracle. You step out in faith. God parts the sea. You just stick out your rod. I bet you when Moses stuck out his rod and the sea started parting, he probably elbowed Aaron and said, can you believe this is really happening? If he'd have lived in modern world, he'd have said, hey, somebody get a video of that. We got to put that on Facebook. <laughs> I promise you, Moses never thought this. I am so powerful. Look at me, I'm so powerful. I bet Moses never thought that. You know why? Because Moses knew it wasn't him. <laughs> he knew it wasn't him. It was God. But God had to work through him. Why? Because it's your humanity. It's the thing that makes you natural that's the thing that makes you supernatural. It is your humanity that gives you authority that now can release God's power in the earth. If your world's gonna be changed, it's gonna be changed through you. If your family's gonna be saved, it's gonna be saved through you. If circumstances are gonna be shifted and mountains are gonna be moved, it's gonna be moved through you. You are the vehicle and the vessel through which God works. You have authority in the earth. And God gives you his power to perform his will. Look at our last point right here it is. Sin, sickness, and Satan. And Miss Kay, you can hold up for just a second. I've got something else going on. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. She's right there. She's good. 
Sin, sickness, and Satan are bullies that won't stop until you punch them straight in the mouth. Sin, sickness, and Satan are bullies that won't stop until you punch them straight in the mouth. Right? We got any Rocky Balboas in the house today? Here's the reality. Let me tell you something. This is so true. I want you to hear me today. Sin, sickness, and Satan will bully you. They'll work on you. They'll lie to you. They'll deceive you. They'll intimidate you. And we have so many Christians that are living under a spirit of intimidation. They've just rolled over and played dead. They feel bad and they say, well, I probably got cancer. What do you mean you probably got cancer? You know, my elbow's been hurting me. I'm probably going to lose my arm. My kid made a horrible decision. They're probably never going to turn around. Come on, guys. Stop rolling over. Stop playing dead. Stop giving in. Stop submitting to the enemy. Don't let the devil bully you. Don't let sin and sickness bully you. Don't let the enemy just roll on over you. I don't know about you, but if you've ever dealt with a bully, there's only one way. Somebody's got to punch him straight in the mouth. Somebody's got to get mad enough, stirred up enough, aggressive enough that I'm going to do something. Not today, devil. No, no, no. Not today, devil. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to have my body. You're not going to have my future. Stop giving up and start warring for what God has promised you. Let me give you two scriptures and then we're going to let the praise team come. We're just going to keep in Rocky Balboa mode for another minute, all right? 1 Peter 5 says this, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But resist him steadfast in the faith. Be sober and be vigilant. I was reading that this morning, and when I read that word vigilant, the Lord, the Lord said, Keith, you know we get from the word vigilant, we get vigilante. Now, I'm not a superhero kind of person, but my son-in-law loves Batman. Any Batman fans in the house? And anybody that's a real Batman fan will tell you Batman is not a superhero. He's a what? He's a what? He's a what? No, he, no, no. He's a vigilante. I, did, I should have told you the answer before I asked for a question. I'm sorry. Batman's a vigilante. Batman is a vigilante. You know what a vigilante does? A vigilante says, I'm not going to stand by and let evil win. I'm not going to let injustice, I'm not going to let justice be overcome by injustice. I'm going to do something. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to push back. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to step up. I'm going to speak up. And I'm going to be a voice of truth in a world of darkness. Be sober and be vigilant. Be vigilant. Resist the enemy. Stand against every work of darkness. Don't bow. Don't cower. Don't give in. Don't roll over. Don't play dead. Stand up and smack the devil right in the mouth. 2 Corinthians says this, today is the day of salvation. Today's the day. Today's the day. No more devil. Not today, devil. Think about in your life this morning, how many times... How many areas of your life right now are you playing dead? How many areas in your life right now have you allowed intimidation based on what you see to override what God says? Let me just say this to you. If you're discouraged and frustrated and overwhelmed, you're in the flesh. If you're discouraged, frustrated, and overwhelmed, you're in the flesh. 
If you're consumed by worry, anxiety, and fear, you're in the flesh. And what I mean by in the flesh, I don't mean you're sinful. I mean you're living off your natural senses. You're not in the spirit. You're in the flesh. And if you stay there, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to finally run out of money. You're going to finally run out of creative ideas. You're going to finally come to the end of yourself, and you will never be enough. But Jesus is more than enough. He is more than enough. And there is greater power and greater strength and greater sufficiency in Him than we can ever even begin to imagine. And it's time that we stand up against the enemy and say, not today, devil. I'm going to punch you in the mouth. I want you to stand to your feet. Stephen, you and the praise team come. We'll let Rocky have a break. Thank you, guys. I want you to do this. We're going to get ready to go into a time of worship. This is what I want you to do right now. Your hands heal and your words release spiritual power. God does the work, but he has to do it through you. You have authority. God has the power. Together, we're unstoppable.